to the Wealthy Femme Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Korn. I am an author, therapist, and transformational mindset and wealth alchemist. This podcast is for women entrepreneurs who want to make a massive impact and income without hustling and burning out. We talk about mindset, energetics, trauma, and relationships, including your relationship with money, as well as everything you need to create a business and life you love. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. I am so excited about this conversation. This is my dear friend, fellow coach, Emily Grass. Emily is, well, first of all, she's just an amazing human being in general, but Emily helps wellpreneurs create content that is powerful as the work that they do with their clients. She really is great about teaching the psychology behind marketing and sales. She was a, she's, well, is a yoga teacher, not was, is a yoga teacher. Oh my God. Okay. It's going to be one of those days already. She (laughs) is a yoga teacher, a former empath coach, and she knows how well certifications and trainings position you to lead your clients, but they can lead you scratching your head when it comes to finding those clients. So welcome, Emily. I'm so happy to have you here. We always have such amazing conversations and I'm just really excited about our conversation today. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much for inviting me to this. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Yeah, basically, just to forewarn everybody, when Emily and I get going, I mean, it can go literally anywhere, but it's always interesting and it's usually pretty entertaining. So today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about the psychology behind marketing and one of the things that I know I believe really passionately, um, and I and Emily does as well, is that there is really no one size fits all cookie cutter strategy that works for everybody. I think that in the space, there is a lot of, you know, you learn a skill, then you teach a skill. So there are a lot of coaches that are teaching what they've been taught, which is totally cool. That's, you know, that's what a lot of what we do. But there is this misconception that like one way is the right way. Would you agree with that, Emily? Like, is that, that been your experience as well? Yeah. I see a lot of people that have learned just one way to grow and don't necessarily understand the reasons that it works. No insult to that. They just weren't taught the psychology and neuroscience behind it. So they know that if I do this in this sequence, this works for me. And that's what they're teaching because they don't understand why what the key elements in that strategy was that are working. And if they don't understand the elements, they can't be adapted. So no shame to the people teaching that. Um, But if you understand the why you're doing any piece of a strategy, you can take the essence, right? Take the reason you're doing that and adapt it to something that actually feels good and authentic and in alignment for you. Um, So I want to just, we're not trying to shame anyone, um, but just a lot of people weren't taught the why, the psychology, the neuroscience behind what they're doing. So of course, they're going to teach what they know and what they know just doesn't go 
as deeply as it could to make it adaptable to whatever you want to do. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's definitely no shame. And I think it's really common to focus on the how, right? Because we all want to have successful businesses. We want to just take the pieces and run with them. But when you, when there's no real understanding of what those strategies are based on, then you're, you are kind of pigeonholed into doing the how the only way that you've been shown. And honestly, that can really suck the joy out of your business. If you are doing a strategy that works, I mean, this was me to a T last year. Like I was doing a strat, I was implementing a strategy. It was working really well. I hit, you know, the 10 K month that everybody talks about. And I was miserable. I, you know, I was, I constantly was procrastinating the marketing piece um, of my business. And it wasn't because I had a bad coach or even that the strategy was bad. Clearly it worked. I, you know, I mean, I was making money, but I was also, it felt like soul sucking. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, our, our goal today in this conversation is just to kind of get to the why piece and then you can take whatever strategy, there's a bazillion of them. You can apply that why to how you want to market your business. Yeah, that gave me chills. That's exactly it. If we understand why we would do something a certain way, then we understand why we would do it a different way to reach a similar goal. Yeah. So, I mean, this all really, the the house that you're building with your marketing, it stands on a foundation and that foundation is kind of the psychology, right? Like you have to understand not just like what your potential clients pain points are. In fact, I would argue that you do not have to like dig the knife in, you know, to like make people feel terrible so that they want to buy from you, but you do have to understand like what they want. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like that psychology piece? Yeah. So I totally agree with you. I don't even think it's a a good strategy to make people feel terrible in order to get them to sign up um, because it's going to put them into a disempowered space. So maybe you get a lot of signups. Great. You make a lot of money. It's going to be hard for those people in a disempowered space to get results because they are going to almost be like codependent or just dependent. Like they need everything approved from a coach and it doesn't give them their power back. Um, so from a strategy point, like if it's short-term, like, yeah, it could make you money, but long-term, if you want to keep making money because you have amazing client results, um, it's not very, uh, fly. <laughs> um, it's not, <laughs> it's not very, um, good long-term to disempower people, to get them to sign up. And so we do want to know their challenges. We want to know the reality that they're living in, basically what's happening for them every day, what thoughts and beliefs are getting in the way of what they want so that we can show them that we understand what what they're going through and be a guiding light to bring them out of it. So we only want to bring up the problems and challenges as much as it makes the person feel seen and understood. And beyond that, we don't need to focus on it and talk about it and paint this dreary picture of like, 
oh no, you didn't uh, get a client today and the slippery slope is going to lead you into the pits of despair. And the only way for you to get out of the pit of despair is to take my hand and do everything I say. (laughs) (laughs) That's an exaggeration, obviously. Um, but like we, if someone is like, you haven't signed a client in a while, that's valid to say, like you haven't signed a client in a while and everyone says that it's your energy. So you're feeling like you're not enough, but what if it actually was that we could just hone in on your messaging a little bit better. And here's how you do that. Do you want help is way more empowering and based on understanding person through the more you understand them, the more you can get that challenge, um, vividly, deeply expressed in a don't have to stay there so again not shaming the people that are doing that they just don't know how to do that concisely um, probably because they haven't really considered the psychology of the person that is going through this does that make sense yeah absolutely um and i i agree when when i first started doing my own marketing you know i i help women entrepreneurs heal through some of their previous experiences that are impacting their, you know, their current life and their, in their business, their relationships, all that stuff. And when I was talking very specifically about like trauma, which is really actually an overused word now in the space, but I was really speaking to genuine trauma and kind of the, the, the pains that came from it. I was getting a lot of people reaching out, but they were not in a good headspace to actually do do the work that you know I was doing with clients because I really was like oh and only because this is kind of that at, at the time I feel like the dynamic is changing a little in, in the online space but at the time it was like talk about the pain points how you know bad it is you know kind of like the pain to the pleasure and they have to cross the bridge and you're the bridge and yada, yada, yada. And because I was very good (laughs) at talking about the pain, because I've got my own personal experiences that are similar, I was pulling in people who were really still very actively in their trauma and, and really would benefit more from traditional therapies and coaching. And So, you know, the way that you talk to people really does impact who you're calling in and, you know, what kind of work you want to do. And how you're talking about it. So Mm -hmm. this week I've been helping a nurse practitioner that has a program to help uh, people with chronic illnesses alleviate their symptoms without digging into their trauma, which is really cool to me. Um, It's about their nervous system response. And so, of course, she needs to bring up that it's for people with chronic illness and that in our research together, they've tried everything. So they're having a hard time believing that anything else could be possible. Like, it's not going to work. I need to accept that this is how my life is going to be. So that's valid to talk about, but it's how you talk about it. Instead of saying like this dreary thing, you can say, hey, your diagnosis doesn't have to be a death sentence. Here's how we can help, right? Like it's so much different and the few little words that you can change to inspire hope, to demonstrate empathy, to demonstrate understanding instead of just like ripping open a scar and being like, Hey, you want, you want these stitches over here? Come and get them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but it's really like in how you talk about it, right? Because her people weren't feeling seen because she was trying to avoid the pain altogether. Um, and they weren't feeling like this is for me. She's we just did this, so she's only put one post. And it's going crazy with comments of people like, oh my God, this is for me. Oh my gosh, I was wondering if this was for me. And it was just like her own story that was um, saying, because she had um, a chronic condition too, still does. She's still managing it. Obviously, it's not like a magic wand. Right. <laughs> um, but say, she just basically put up a post that said, I remember when I tried all these different things and my symptoms didn't subside. And then I found the missing piece, right? you can too, basically. And like forgiving people for not knowing it. And it just is such a, it feels like such a subtle shift it even did to her. And that sub those subtle shifts can really make a big difference. Most people aren't too far off with what they're doing. It's a lot of times bringing in empathy and compassion and forgiveness in your marketing. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because when we're, when we're thinking about like our revenue, like, I feel like we can get really wrapped up in numbers, right? Like how many sales calls do I have this month? What is, how much did I contract? Like, and all of those numbers are of course important, but it is a human being on the other side of those numbers. It's human beings that are consuming your content, regardless of where it is, whether it's a podcast, your reels, written content, whatever it is, human beings on the other side of that. So being a human being yourself and treating people, not like it's a transactional thing, just treating people the way you would want to be treated. If you were struggling with, you know, the thing that you help, or maybe you did struggle with, I mean, a lot of us are just a couple steps ahead of the people we're helping. So I think that's a really important part of marketing is that you're not marketing. It's not numbers. It's not a faceless screen. There are people behind the screen. Yeah. I think a really profound, though subtle sounding, but profound shift is instead of looking at it, like I need to hit this goal. It's like, I want to help people get needs and wants met. That's it. I am here to help people get their needs and wants met with less time and effort than it would take them on their own because I can show them a path. So it's not about us. It's not about anyone thinking, oh my gosh, Emily's so cool. It's really about <laughs> I mean, the Emily other is person. so cool. Let's let's be real. <laughs> well, that's fine too, if that's like an additional thing. Um, but it's about the other person. It's really not about me. It's not about me proving that I'm the coolest person ever. It's about showing someone that I can help them, like extending a hand that's open and non-judgmental in my view, <laughs> um, is really helpful in making an impact, getting our clients results and signing clients. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we glossed over the idea that really all marketing works if you are willing to work it, right? Like if you can find the thing that you enjoy and you can, you know, consistently do that, like most marketing strategies do work, but what do you feel like, is it the, like the deep understanding of your clients? Like what is the, the one piece that has to be present, whether it's your reels or your podcast or whatever, 
what is that one piece that it, like, if you do not have this, it, it's not going to really be successful. Yeah. So I, I'm going to use neuroscience a little bit to explain this. Uh, don't worry. You don't need to know neuroscience, but we all have what's called a reticular activating system or RAS for short. And our RAS is really beneficial. It is the reason that Shannon and I right now are concentrating on each other in this conversation instead of me seeing how cute my cat that's over there is, paying attention to my air conditioner, looking at my ring light, thinking about the dishes that I've been procrastinating doing. Um, the reason I'm focusing here is because my reticular activating system has decided this is important. And so our reticular activating system, our RAS, filters out any relevant information so that we can function and get things done. And why this is important to know is because whatever people habitually focus on, habitually put their attention towards is what it, they are going to notice in their surrounding. So a lot of times people like say, I saw, I bought this flowery coverall. I don't know what these are called. Uh, <laughs> but I, after I bought this, I saw more of them. It's not that more of them just appeared. I bought this, I paid my money with it for it. And my reticular activating system was like, oh, flower, flowery sheer coveralls are important to you. Let's show you all of them. Mm -hmm. So until we can know what's important to people, what they're habitually focusing on, we can't even get them to see the thing right in front of them because their brain's like, that is irrelevant to my life. So if we don't know our people well enough to very basic, get their attention to interact with us, there's no way that we could help them because they're not even consciously ignoring us. Their brain is like, mm, that doesn't matter to my life. That's irrelevant to me. <laughs> you don't need to spend any attention on that. Let's like go for what you're trying to do, what we think is important. And it's really beneficial to our lives. If I constantly had to look at the million pieces of data coming at me right now and sort through them, it would be so hard to do something as simple as pouring myself a glass of water. I yep. wouldn't know how to do that. So yeah, understanding that what people are looking for, what people are experiencing is the key to making anything work. Email, Reels, Pinterest, podcasts, YouTube, Insight Timer, putting flyers out on the street, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it's because we're, it, I mean, at any given moment there, we're completely inundated by, you know, I'm hearing Emily's voice, but I'm also seeing like, I have a window like straight behind me and I like the trees are moving. I can see them. So there's like, it's, it's that weird. I, and I'm sure everyone has experienced this. It happens to me all the time. It's like when you're driving home and you're taking a route, you've taken a million times and like all of a sudden you're just home. And you don't really remember the trip because nothing out of the ordinary happened. And so it was just kind of this like white noise happening in the background and your brain didn't think that anything super important was happening. So you just kind of like drove, literally drove home, like on autopilot. So, you know, I think that's why, you know, you'll hear messaging people talk a lot about like stopping the scroll, which I mean, that's usually like a, a social media type thing when people are scrolling their feed, but really that's true anywhere. Like you only have a few seconds 
to catch somebody's attention because we're all busy. We're all just scanning quickly for things that are important to us. So, I mean, that's why people talk about that. Like you have to grab their attention right away. Yeah. So what's happening there is our subconscious is constantly scanning our environment and what's going to make it to the conscious mind is what captures our attention as relevant in a millisecond. Um, so that's the goal, bring people out of their subconscious into their conscious with whatever you're choosing to do, your email headline and preview, your podcast title episode. We captured your attention. If you are listening to this anywhere, uh, <laughs> we did a good job. <laughs> um, but yeah, you do have a millisecond. Like even if you were, were to take us to in-person in a bar trying to capture someone you think's cute attention you have a millisecond with the like way you look at them and wink or smile or whatever your <laughs> strategy is yeah this is making you want to go bar hopping with emily while she's like trying to pick up pick up guys <laughs> <laughs> and, like do weird facial expressions yeah <laughs> like after their attention they're like oh god <laughs> what is that it saying works, like negative attention is better than no attention at all <laughs> yeah yeah. So, so yeah, so basically you need to thing, the, catch their attention. The, and then you need to keep their intention by really speaking directly to them, what they're experiencing, what's getting in the way, how they can get past that roadblock. It like all of your messaging should keep their attention and, through being relevant to their lives and helpful to them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's someone that I follow and she teaches like long form content writing. Like that is the method of, of marketing that she teaches. And one of the kind of like pillars of that is that you really actually don't need to share a ton of personal information. It's all really about showing that you have an understanding, whether it's through your own experiences or through training or whatever, but that you have a clear understanding of the problem and, and that you have a a solution, right. That's a little different from what everybody is talking about, like uh, not to throw shade at business coaches, but you hear a lot about, you know, get your first 10 K month, right? Like that's the promise, but that's pretty vague because the reason I'm not getting my 10 K month and the way Emily maybe isn't getting her 10 K month could be completely different, right? Like maybe I, I am terrible at sales. Like my content is fire. People love it. And then I get on a sales call and I like bomb it. And maybe Emily is amazing at sales calls, but her, you know, she's not speaking to the problem, whatever her lead gen is. I have two comments on this one, um, on the long form post. I know a lot of people are like, how long should my content be? And your content should be long enough to fully illustrate the point and compel your people to take the next step, whether that's dropping a comment, sending you a DM, clicking on your link. So there isn't like some standard thing. It's much easier to get someone to click a link for a $7 thing than to sign up for a five, $10,000 program. So to have a complete reason and a compelling reason why is going to 
likely take longer for a very expensive thing than a very inexpensive thing, but there's no 5,000 words is going to do it. It depends on how well you can articulate and have the conversation that someone's having in their head. So you are anticipating their needs. If I say, um, it is possible for you to make 10K this month, let's just go with what people are saying. I need to give a argument that helps them believe that's actually possible before they would ever want to get on a call with me to begin with, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one point that there's no like, you shouldn't make it long to make it long for just funsies, but you also shouldn't make it short just to make it shorter and leave out information the person needs because yeah. that's not serving anyone either. So it needs to be as long as it takes to have the complete conversation they're having in their head with why this won't work for me, with why they don't have the time, with why it's not worth their money. We need to have that complete conversation. And then the other part of this with people cookie cutter replicating the same messaging, it just ends up falling the same way in the reticular activating system where it's like, I've already read this irrelevant, right? Okay, I've already read 10 posts like this. I know what they're going to say, irrelevant. It sounds the same. They don't need to read another one. So just from a marketing perspective, it's much better to rephrase to say it differently, compel them differently, because then they feel like they're getting new information, which hopefully they actually are. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're much more likely to engage than no offense to these people, but I don't know how many posts I see every day that say magnetic marketing. It's been used so much that when I see it, I'm like, yeah, I already know what you're going to say here. Mm -hmm. Um, that I'm not going to read those posts because it's been used a lot. It's not like a differentiation factor for that person. Anyone, it seems like could teach me magnetic marketing at this point. Yeah. Well, and, you know, having a really kind of concisely complete piece of marketing, whether it's a video or, cause we're talking about written posts, but I mean, this can look a million ways, right? But You also, by having a really well written out piece of content or or created piece of content, because you're disqualifying, you're helping people disqualify themselves if it's not applicable, like if what you do doesn't really solve their problem. Like there are a lot of people who are wanting to hit their first 10, 20, 30, whatever K month, right? And just telling me I can hit a 10K month doesn't really tell me much because kind of going back to that whole, you know, ex, uh, example of, you know, me being terrible at sales or whatever, or whatever it was, me being great at sales and uh, Emily being great at lead gen or whatever. If the person is really good at like helping you with your lead gen, getting people to reach out to you and actually get on calls if that's their area of expertise, then if it, if my issue is not being able to close sales calls, they're probably not going to be the best fit for me. Right. Because like I have a very specific need and that isn't their strength. So having these well put together pieces of marketing that not only qualify, like, yes, I can help you, but also they let people know I don't, really help what you're looking for. Because I mean, if you're great at marketing and people are reaching out to you and you're getting on a lot of calls with 
unqualified people, it's a time suck, really. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on sales calls all day, every day. Um, I only do sales calls for when they're requested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not a requirement of my process, but I'm willing anytime someone requests. I have a really good close rate, and it's not because I have become a cognitive gymnastic genius and I outmaneuver people. I have gotten better exactly what you said at pre-qualifying and knowing if the person's a good fit and I can solve their problems. So if I can't solve their problems, then I'm not going to get on a call with them. I'm going to refer them out. And so my conversion rate, like close rate on calls is really good is I'm only getting on calls with people I can actually help. And then it takes the pressure off me in sales because I'm just being of service, offering it to them where I wouldn't be being of service, trying to convince someone that didn't have the problem. Like I don't help people um, with like anything technical, (laughs) really. So if they're like, Emily, can you help me uh, do the tech to build this 16 piece funnel? I would be like, no, I I could help you write the marketing for it. But like, I do not do tech. I would hire that out. (laughs) I mean, we literally have where we like hit record. We were like, Canva is hard. Why is Canva hard? <laughs> we did have this Tech wizards, we are not. <laughs> I know, and Canva does it all for you. And I'm still like, oh my God, so pissed off with Canva. Like, just do what I want you to do. Don't you understand what my brain's telling you, fingers? And no, my fingers are not understanding what my brain's saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I feel like we've covered a, a ton of information, but, and, you know, Again, like, I think the thing to remember is like, I feel like we've talked a lot about the written word, but, you know, going back to like all marketing kind of works, if you are basing it off of this understanding of what people want and, you know, how they think about the problem that you solve, whether you do Instagram reels, whether you're in your stories all day long, whether you're you know, writing, uh, content for Instagram or Facebook, or you have a Facebook group that you go live in, you do convert. I mean, there's a bazillion options, but really they all, you know, have to have this understanding. So for the people that are watching this, that are like, okay, great guys, got it. Like I need to understand my, you know, potential clients, you know, pains or, or problems like and desires and desires. Yes. Because it's actually, it's not always pains. Like yeah. sometimes I, it don't, is, it I is always use actually, an example with my clients. I love it so much that you don't need to be having bad sex to want to have better sex. Like I don't need to be feeling terrible to want to go get a massage. Like some things are just good and you want to be better like Mm -hmm. I don't need to hate my nails to want to get my nails done right I need to be like do your cuticles look terrible (laughs) they like do you want to get your nails done I'm like yeah I like that yeah Um, so you don't have to have a big problem to want something we can like let that one go drift away in the wind Mm -hmm. for sure I mean even in business you could be at an income level that you're really pretty happy with. And, and the goal isn't then like, oh, I just, because, you know, hold props to people who want, you know, a seven, eight figure business. Like me personally, I don't want that. I don't want to have to manage a huge team. Um, and that's cool too. Like, but so, you know, you could literally be at a, 
an income level that you feel really satisfied with, but you know, maybe you want more time off. So it's not like, oh God, if I could only hit my, my revenue goal this month, maybe it's like, you know, I'd like to figure out a way to be able to travel a little more. And so again, that's not really a pain thing unless you are literally working yourself to exhaustion. It's more about, yeah, life is good, but it could be better, you know? So that's, that's really important. But for, for people who are kind of like, okay, well, what do I do with all this? You guys have, you know, talked pretty thoroughly about this, but what is the like the first step? So what would you tell people who are maybe feeling like, yeah, this is something that they could use some help with? Like, where do they start? The absolute best thing that you can do is research with live people where you can see them, whether that's in person or on a call. And why I say that is because you're going to start developing that relationship. You're going to get a practice holding space for someone and literally just listening, which is what most of us sales is actually. So you're going to get a practice that skill and you're going to get to see their body language, the changes in tone are really telling the pauses where they put the emphasis in their sentence are all really important and you lose that. Um, so my number one thing, I have a whole module for my clients on how to find uh, people for research, what to ask, how to hold space, the whole shebang of how to do that. And it's the best way if you're just starting out to really understand your people. That said, if you want to go do this right now, you want to close out whatever device you're on and go, well, you're going to need your device, but you want to do this right this <laughs> second. Um, you can actually harness information already on the internet for research and how I would do that. So for me, if I'm looking for um, research on wellpreneurs that want to grow their business, I would go to Amazon book reviews and you're going to find a book that has thousands of reviews on there already, ideally good reviews. Um, and you're going to go down to the reviews and the ones that are upvoted the most, you're going to read those. And look for the emotionally rich language, what worked, what didn't work, why they were looking for this, what they got out of it. And you're going to get so much research in an hour. I'd put it in a spreadsheet. Um, I provide that with my client for my clients too. Um, and you could also use other places too, like Reddit, um, a little more complicated to find the information totally possible, but you can start doing it right now with information already on the internet. I love the people that are writing book reviews. Some people will write like four paragraphs that are straight poetry and I'll have like a thousand upvotes. So everyone found this helpful. They were looking for the same thing that is already like almost peer reviewed that this is what your people want. Uh, it feels really sneaky too. So that's kind of fun. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I would suggest starting there and then finding real life people that you can talk to about it. Yeah. Okay. And you didn't say this, but I think this was implied. Like, obviously you're looking at books whose topics are in your niche. So like if you're a yeah. relationship coach and you help women um, recover from a narcissistic relationship, those would be key words that you would put into your book search. Like, cause clearly yeah you know, you don't want to, you don't want to look up yoga if you're a narcissistic recovery coach. So, um, but I will say, I mean, and I think if that's exactly it. So if you were looking for, um, if you were looking for 
just because this is top of mind because I just did this for someone. If you're looking for what people, why people are seeking brain retraining, um, the number one hit on Google is Joe Dispenza. So you'd read what people got from Joe Dispenza and you kind of want the gap too, like what people didn't get that they were still wanting if you're trying to break into a competitive market. Um, like what did his book not complete? Like, why did people like it? What are they seeking? What was their emotional journey? Um, and then like, where's their gap that I could fill to? Yeah, definitely want the gap. And this is like definitely a sneaky way to get information. And it's a great start. Like if you are just trying to like get started, um, but the, it, there really is a lot of power in actual like market research calls or whatever, because I mean, honest, like if I want to go back, my first coaching client, my first high ticket, well, high ticket, but it was my first coaching client ever came from a market research call. So that's never like, that was absolutely not my intention going into the call. And I, and we did not, I, honored the space that we like when we went got on this call it was it was for market research I was very clear about what we were doing and she you know expressed interest in actually working together and I was like cool but like I want to close this container because this is what we agreed to and we scheduled another call and I and she did end up hiring me and so you know the the beauty of these calls is it's a really no pressure way to just get to know people. Yes, you get to, you know, hear first person, like how people, how people view this problem, what the emotions are around it, how they perceive the thing, right? Because I think a lot of times as a, as experts, we know that it's X, right? But a lot of people are not super, oop, I'm getting the finger. We think it's X. If you go in, disagreeing with them, it makes it harder to listen. So going into these, I suggest keeping an open mind that they might provide insight with you because we might think it's this problem. Uh, I just want to say that because I've had people be like, why does everyone think it's this and not listen? So even if you're right, you want, I always like, if someone thinks something's a problem, I'm going to treat it like a problem, right? If someone believes something's a problem, I'm going to treat it like it's a problem because it's a problem even if it's like crazy because they believe it. (laughs) So then believing a false reality is kind of a problem. Yeah, for sure. That's not what I, that's not what I meant. These market research calls are, you should absolutely come to them with an open mind because you are still trying to figure out how they view the problem. Like when I was doing relationship coaching, a lot of the women that I was talking to, and even when I started working with some of them, you know, they had these patterns of like toxic relationships. And the the belief that a lot of them had was that like, that was all that was out there because that's all they were experiencing. Right. So I heard a lot of all men are assholes, like that kind of thing. And that was that was a legitimate belief that they had because yeah, that was their experience. All the guys that they were dating were assholes, but I understood that 
not every guy in the world is an asshole. That is the experience they're having, but there's something else. So you yeah. definitely want to go into these calls open-minded because you have no idea what they're going to say. That might not, be, they might say like, Hey, you know what? I recognize that I feel more comfortable with emotionally unavailable men because it takes the pressure off me. A lot of people have very good insight. Um, so that's all I meant was that sometimes yeah. as experts, we recognize that the perceived problem isn't the real problem, but you have to go into these conversations just yeah. to hear that. Yeah, that's totally accurate. And you still want to treat the perceived problem like a real problem. It is that they believe that all men are assholes. That is a problem. <laughs> well, and they're in, like I mean, in and of probably not be that nice that. to them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you believe that all men are assholes, that is going to be your experience because any guy that like comes in nice or, you know, seeming to be nice, like you're still, this was a pretty common occurrence. Like they're just waiting for the other shoe to fall. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes we're even like, kind of creating. why are you bringing me flowers? What did you do? Right. Why exactly. would you do this if you were guilty? And it's just like for the person that's like being sweet, like, I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so the market research calls are, are are a really good way to to get an understanding of what the what your potential clients how they view the problem, what their experiences are, what they want. You know, I mean, in that to go back to that relationship thing, some of the women desperately wanted like a loving, supportive relationship, and some of those women wanted to they were more focused on feeling good as in like independently not needing a relationship so that if one came along like they were in a good headspace for it so you know you might think because of your own experience like well everybody wants a you know a whirlwind romance relationship and that's not accurate again that's what these calls are really helpful because just yeah. because you see it some way doesn't mean that that's how your clients see it so yeah, I've seen too. most of my clients from doing um, market research calls do sign clients, though I wouldn't go in expecting that to happen just because it can prevent you. It can take you out of the listening space and into the mm -hmm. selling space when the intention is to listen. And then as a peripheral benefit, like a lot of people have never been completely listened to and validated and understood. And so naturally, some people are like, wait, what are you offering? Can, can we get another call? Can we talk about it? Can you help me? Oh my gosh. Cause they feel like so understood, which going back to the very beginning of this is the most important thing in signing clients. Um, so fun. So cyclical. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we've made our way all the way back around. Yeah. yeah. So totally agree with that. And, and, you know, we talked about this earlier that especially with the higher price tag, if your services are more expensive, a lot of times people do really need to feel like that no like trust and getting on these, like these market research calls, if you go in expecting nothing but to listen and hold space like that, you've just kind of jumped on the no like trust scale because now you are a human being to them that really listened to what they had to say that made them feel heard so guess what if they decide that they are in the market for what you do they're going to remember that positive interaction 
So, um, okay. So we have been literally all over the place. We, Emily, Emily and I, it's two people with ADHD trying to (laughs) follow one linear line. It totally is. It's like, we've got, we're like a tree, like a branch here, a branch there, but we always come back. So like to kind of wrap up final question, Emily now, Emily, who's been in business for a while, who has had lots of experiences, what would you say to past Emily, like baby entrepreneur, Emily, who is just like kind of coming into like this journey what advice would you give her or what is something that you know now that you're like, dang it, it would have been really nice to know that then? Um, so my advice to little M uh, would be to take everything with a grain of salt and really consider why the person is telling me that so that I can make sure it's in alignment and not create resistance in my own business. And this is two part. The other part of that would be Emily don't fall for the get rich quick no work this is going to be easy shit because it really leads you to disappointment when it doesn't work immediately when you don't actually go from zero to 100k in 90 days that learning that that's a marketing line earlier and not a reality would have probably um, helped my mindset a lot (laughs) and to be able to know the why someone's telling me and really investigate that. And if it works for me and as an alignment is absolutely what I would be like, hi, little baby M this is what you need to know going in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's really a disservice because you see it all the time. Like I went to sleep and I woke up with 30,000, like $30,000 rolled into my Stripe account while I was sleeping. And it, it really does. Like, I know for me, when I first stumbled onto coaching at, so I, I, I'm a therapist and there was another therapist who was a business coach. Um, and not the, not, uh, not my coach that I had for a long time. She also was a therapist that was a business coach, but my very first like tiptoe into coaching and it, she just made it seem so easy. Like this, you're going to do one, two, three people are going to be banging down your door with their credit card. Uh, like I paid her like $6,000 for six weeks. And it was like six weeks, man, you're going to be like 10 K months in the, like in the pocket, it'll be done. And at the end of six weeks, I mean, I still didn't know jack shit about running an online business. Nobody threw their credit card at me. I had not made a dime. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Why, you know, like it's supposed to be so easy. And at that time I was like selling a like super low ticket offer. It was like a $500 offer for like three months. It was like a no brain. Like now I'm like, Oh my God, like that's insane. But like, nobody wanted to pay me. And it was because I had no understanding of, of, you know, who my client was and what they wanted. And it it really like, it definitely beat my confidence. Like I was just like, everyone else is doing it. Why can't I? So (laughs) it's really a disservice to, to people who are starting out. Like it is a roller coaster. You need time. There are big skills you need to learn. 
you know, I went to graduate school to be a therapist. Guess what? They taught me nothing about marketing. Like it's okay to have a learning curve and for it to take time. So, yeah. Yeah. At first it, man, first your entrepreneur flame is so little. It's so easy for it to get blown out. Uh, and yeah, if you really are sold on, this is going to be so easy, so much easier than working your job. And it turns out to be not, then you feel like you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that maybe, I don't actually think I've seen a single person that this has been easy for, but maybe like one in a hundred, it's easy for the people I see that have the easiest came from a corporate job in marketing or advertising mm-hmm. are the only people that I see it be somewhat easy for, but then they really have like 10, 20 years of experience. Yeah. Well, uh, and I think those people then like delivery of client results is the more challenging part because it's all fine to be a great marketer, but then you have to be able to actually like teach and support your clients in whatever like your niche yeah. is. So, all right, well, this has been amazing. And kind of going back to uh, what we were talking about, like stopping the scroll, uh, Emily has very graciously uh, is giving everyone her headlines. It's um, attention grabbing hooks and headlines. Cause remember we talked about people are scrolling or people are run- running through their email quickly. So you need to like grab their attention. So um, Emily is giving away her, her grab attention, grabbing headlines. <laughs> and hooks. I'm tired. I've been on zoom uh, a good part of the day. My brain is like starting. To unwind. That's okay. So uh, where can people follow you, Emily? If they, I mean, we will have your links in the show notes, but uh, where are you hanging out these days? Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. <gasps> you have a TikTok? Yeah. Girl, you I know, need to follow you. TikTok, I had put minimal effort in, and it's been the easiest to gain followers. And I always forget it. I I, I just cross post my Instagram reels to TikTok. Now I get new followers. And I'm like, huh, maybe I should actually pour into TikTok a little bit more. (laughs) See, this is what, this is what we were saying. Literally you can be anywhere. And if you are, if you enjoy it and you do it, it can work. I have been toying with TikTok, but I don't love video. I don't spend a lot of time doing video. So, um, all right. Well, Emily, thank you again so, so much. I really appreciate your time. I always enjoy our conversations, even if we're bing bonging around all over the place. Um, It's always good stuff. So have a good day and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Wealthy Femme. I hope you got some great takeaways and insights. If you found this valuable, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode. And of course, we always appreciate reviews. You can find me on Instagram at The Wealthy Femme. Feel free to follow me or DM me with any follow-up questions. I'll see you next week.